Good morning, Psalms 18. I love you, Lord, O oh Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He's my God, he's my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death have encompassed me. The torrents of destruction have assailed me. The cords of Sheol have entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. And in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also, the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. The smoke went up from his nostrils. devouring fire from his mouth and glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down and thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on the cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind and he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals fire broke through the clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered His voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And He sent out His arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare. At your rebuke, O God, at the blast of your breath of your nostrils, He sent from on high, and He took me, drew me up out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delights in me. And the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness and according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful you show yourself merciful, and with the blameless man you show yourself blameless. And with the purified you show yourself pure, and with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. You have a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who are the lamp, the light of my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. And for by you I can run against a troop. And by you, my God, I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made me my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of the deer. He set to rescue me from the heights. He trains my hands for war. 
so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze and you've given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand has supported me your gentleness makes us great lord and you have given a wide place for my steps under me so that my feet did not slip i pursued but my enemies and i overtook them and i did not turn back until they were consumed i thrust them through so they may not be able to rise and they fell under my feet for you have equipped me with strength for the battle and you've made those who rise against me sink under me you made my enemies turn their backs to me and those who hated me i destroyed they cried for help but there was none to save they cried to the lord but he did not answer them i beat them fine as dust before the wind i cast them out of the mire in the streets the Lord has delivered us from the strife of the people. You made me the head of the nations, and people who might have not known will serve us. And as soon as they heard of us, they obeyed us. And foreigners came cringing to us. Foreigners lost heart. They came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock exalted you're the God of our salvation you're the God who gave me vengeance and subdued the people under me you rescued me from my enemies yes you exalted me and rose up those who rose up against me and you delivered me from the man of violence for this I will praise you O Lord among the nations and I will sing to your name great salvation he brings to his king and he shows steadfast love to his anointed to David and his offspring forever amen
gifts and praises. Come lift his name in praises. Come praise the King Almighty. He is Christ the Lord. From the rising of the sun the place where it goes down from the farthest reaching star to where I stand here on the ground and I lift your name and I give you praise I will lift your name. I lift your name. And I give you praise. And I will adore you. Horn of my salvation. I lift your name. If it hadn't been for your kindness, your loving kindness, if it hadn't been for your grace, if it hadn't been for your warrior, where would we all be? I lift your name, all that you are, all that you are in your majesty and grace. Oh, oh. Praise to the one, praise to the one, praise to the one. joy of the Lord, and we lift up our voice in worship and adoration. We sing praise to the one, praise to the one, honor and glory to you. Oh, and he will dwell in the midst, he will dwell in the midst, he will dwell song singing 
with praise. Oh, a song that you delight in, that the words of my heart and the song of my heart be acceptable to you, oh God. As I shine forth like the stars among the heaven, the praise of the King. Come and dwell, oh, come and dwell here, God, come and dwell here. Come and dwell here, oh God, come and dwell. give you praise for all my days oh I will lift your name
Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Restore the song of my heart. Restore unto me. Oh, 
framework right now for what's happening in this room. I, uh, this morning I was laying beside my bed. I ordered this book this last week, God, Heaven, and Armageddon from uh, Meredith Klein. And I opened it up for the first time in all these years. Well, I've known about Klein. And the first chapter is called The Naming of the Meta World. And then I get into the second chapter and it says because this is the function of what is happening in these events right now it's called alpha radiation the creation of heaven while while Steven's singing I just feel led to open up the book he literally says this while I read this and that's why I want to say this because I look down and it says this the Lord looks down from heaven and he beholds all the sons of men. Psalms 33, 13. And his eyes behold. His pupils try the sons of men. Psalms 11, 4, uh, C. Hence the let there be refrain 
the re resounds throughout the account of the six days is the utterance of God from the upper invisible realm. The carrying out of his commands into the visible lower register world is accompanying formula. And it was so. The spirit executed in the earth below the fiat of the Logos word from the heaven above. Listen to the alpha radiation. In the Genesis 1 narrative, in the opening verse, the invisible heaven remains in view as the narrative continues, the panoramic of two registers, one of heaven and one of earth. It's the format throughout his treatment of the creation of a week. The primary perspective of this account is that the upper register, speaking of the heavens, the story of creation is told from the point of view of the creator from the heights of the heaven. In Genesis 1-2, the spirit with whom, as we have noted, the glory Theophany is especially identified. And we've been saying in this house, as Steve Sr. said months ago to me, John 17, what? Glorify thou me, Father, so that I might glorify you. And that God would move us out of the plus and negative into a plus plus, where the radiation of God's Spirit would begin to move throughout the, uh, His people that the upper register of the heavens of space and what is, appears to us to be deep and dark, the Spirit is hovering even now and is calling for this, that the lower register, the visible space that we're in, that He would have a place to dwell, that He would dwell with men. The Emmanuel would not God with us would not just be a song we sing at Christmas, but it would be a literal reality. So Genesis 1, 3 through 31, he says, the heavenly register perspective is carried forth into these creative fiats where it's the visible space that we're in now would be fashioned into a habitable world in the course of six days. And this scene evokes by these fiats the throne of the King of Glory the king invisible the only god who is dwelling in light unapproachable he said this is particularly important indicator of the heavenly source that these fiats that he says let us form the creation of man genesis 126 it points to god on his throne above I like the way he puts this, the motive, motive of divine surveillance and judgment found in the refrain, and God saw that it was good, which signifies that what God has made is in accordance with his master plan, you and me. And this judicial scrutiny is repeatedly mentioned in the function performed by God on His holy throne 
Lord right now, listen, is looking down from heaven to behold us, the sons and daughters of men. Now, this is a present word for right in this moment. And his eyes behold his pupils are trying the sons of men. The Logos word from heaven above is saying, I want a place that I can rest. God's concern is with his Sabbath, his royal rest. His enthronement in the supernatural realm, his divine Sabbath, his everlasting royal session of the King of Glory is the essential reality of heaven. That was the nature of heaven from its original creation. But the seventh day marked a distinctive stage in the history of heaven. The creator author would assume the additional title as the finisher of heaven and earth and all their hosts. Such was the origin of heaven and the nature of the relation to the visible creation from the beginning to this seventh day. According, the master architect's design for creation is that there would be a place reached, listen, an ongoing seventh day in God. It's the stage of human history that we are in right now that heaven would come to earth. The King of Heaven will, at the hour that He's appointed, and I believe this hour is upon us, come in and consummate His cosmic temple. What is that? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Psalms 33. Shout for the joy in the Lord, all you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him on the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with the loud shout. For the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord is upright. And all his work is done because he is the faithful righteousness and justice the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord and by the word of the Lord the heavens were made and by the breath of the mouth of their host he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap and he puts them in the deep in the storehouses let all the earth fear the Lord let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of you, Lord. For you spoke and it came into existence. You commanded. And it stood firm. Behold the rock of God. Behold the rock of ages. Word, Lord, is everlasting and true. 
It's the word of nobility. Lord, we take your word over anything and over any circumstance. I want to stand on your logos, Lord. I want to stand on the revelation of who you are and not be shaken. For what can be shaken will be shaken. But what based on his word will remain. For he's bringing forth a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Lord, bring your counsel of the nations to nothing and frustrate the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people, his people that he's chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men. From where you sit enthroned right now, Lord, look out on the inhabitants of the earth. Fashion our hearts, Lord, so that we may observe all your deeds. The king is not saved by an army. The warrior is not delivered by great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by his great might, he cannot rescue. I know this from the Lord right now. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on us. Behold, he's looking at this room even now. I can feel you, Father. I know that you look on those that fear you.
Day has run its course. You are the goodness. No, my sweetest friend, you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end. 
failed us. And oh, my sweetest friend, you are the house around us. You are the goodness in the end. And everything I've ever wanted, it is found in you. And everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. It is found in you. Oh, and everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. When the day has run its course, you are the goodness. upon us in the end you are my reward for all the years have failed us and oh my sweetest friend you are the house around us you are the goodness
my home he is ever where your heart hovers and my one and my constant and my king and brother my hope he is ever where your heart hovers and my one and my constant you are my king and brother
Surely goodness and mercy will overtake me. Surely, surely goodness. I'm sure of it. Goodness and mercy can't help to run us down. God's activity in the natural dimension of life, his goodness. It's not just intrinsic like kindness. His goodness is sure. It's chasing you down. And mercy. It's running us down. It's a sure thing. We've put out everything in front of us. done all that we can do 
but he's going to overtake us. He is overtaking us. It's for sure. Amen. Thank you so much last week for the gifts that we're giving uh, to assist in uh, buying jackets for um, young people and people without coats in the city. Uh, we raised an, an offering. I want to do that again this morning uh, as we, you know, to bless uh, Theodore, uh, who opens up for us, also known as Man. How fitting is that? Uh, that he would be here, the man, man, um, and then they, uh, they're, they're buying uh, jackets and things, and so uh, I'm going to raise an offering this morning for that purpose, and uh, we give 100% to them uh, like we did uh, last week, and so if you'd like to give some cash in the offering this morning so we can hand it over to, to um, our friend downstairs, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for meeting with us this morning and your blessing on this house, your blessing, Lord, and what you're doing with us. And thank you, Lord, and we pray that a great blessing would go forth out of this place, even the YMI, to bless those who, who are cold, even in uh, this season. Um, I pray that you would wrap them in your arms and it would be a, a great move of your spirit, Lord all throughout the land, and particularly here this morning in Nashville, North Carolina. Lord, bless your people as they give. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's been crazy this whole life through, and I just want to be more like you, until all of you becomes all of me. I will sing to you fervently.
Awesome. Good morning. I, I, um, I have the word of the Lord, and I'm excited about delivering this word, and I believe it's going to be a great blessing to many of you. Um, we're going to launch out in uh, Genesis chapter 32, uh, beginning in verse 9. And so um, if you want to prepare your hearts uh, as we begin uh, to get into this text this morning, I believe this, this, um, this word will... Oh, no will greatly impact you, and I believe that you will see clearly how this story represents uh, your situation and your life right now. But I don't believe the Lord has um, a minister preach a word necessarily if it doesn't have import in those he preaches to. And so uh, this message uh, should contextualize well even within this room, and uh, I pray even as... um, uh, this message goes out into many nations of the world today. Genesis uh, chapter number 32, uh, verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. Now, that, just so you know, that had happened earlier on. You find that in Genesis 31. And he had. He had went back to Bethel, and he, he'll end up naming the place El Bethel. I just want to give a little bit of a context, and that, that you would know contextually that where he was first at, where Jacob, you'll really start to uncover Jacob in the biblical narrative, is he, he will be at Bethel in Genesis 28. And, and Bethel means what? House of God, very good. You guys know your biblical text. You know uh, etymology of names and, and things. So Bethel means house of God. And I don't know if you remember, but in Genesis 28, 14, Jacob, he'll make a pledge uh, to the Lord um, because he's going to have an experience of what we might would think today of being uh, moved into a second heaven uh, type uh, experience. He, remember he sees a, a, a ladder and he sees the angel of God ascending and descending uh, up, up out of the heavens, which would be like a third heaven uh, experience. Uh, Jacob's, you know, already, you know, experiencing in the, in the night with the Lord what uh, some even like front running in the church today uh, are, are speaking of as far as Bethel goes. Of an experience of being able to see a translation um, from uh, the third, uh, the third heaven, even into the first heaven reality, uh, he's having that ecstatic experience uh, with God. Um, but I mean, as you can see, Jacob's life is going to go through uh, even more a uh, narrative. Uh, the picture of Jacob being starting there and he making that agreement: "Hey, Lord, if you'll." Uh, you're real, like, I'm going to hang out with you. Here's a tenth of everything I have. He's cutting a uh, covenant with the Lord. I want to give you uh, a portion of what I have at least. Uh, he's starting out at least at 10%. Uh, here you can have all, all of this, Lord. I, I recognize you as God, and so he's had a pretty tremendous experience. But in today's text in Genesis 32, Jacob is in reference for all these years that he's been in experience with the Lord, um, now referencing here as we see, I, you are the one who said to me, 
I, I remember when you said to me, return back to the land of your fathers. And if, if you pick up in that experience, later on, Jacob's going to move from Bethel to El Bethel. And so he goes to El Bethel, and El Bethel, uh, El means God, or it comes, it's, it's the uh, root of Elohim. Um, El Bethel, now Jacob is going to move through a series of process in his human soul to begin to know not just the house of God, but the God of the house of God. And I think that if you, we go back because I, I believe the Lord knows who I'm ministering to or preaching to right now, that you remember when you had that experience, I believe, if you would go back into your experience with God, when you would begin to be not just initiated with a a second heaven. Um, we could call this, uh, like Dad, you had this experience seeing across the veil. I saw, not, I saw across the veil into another place, and I saw that uh, we were beckoning people across the veil, but then there were these people who were filled with gladness and joy that were on the other side of the veil. And Jacob had had that experience, but it's one thing to be in God's house. It's another thing to know the God of his own house. It's, it's a quite fundamentally different. And so when the Lord began to initiate you, because those of you that are in this room, he initiated you first within the house of God, but he wanted something so much more beyond that you would know that be in the house of God. And almost, let's see, every one of you in here is either pastored or sons of the pastor or or a prophet, every one of you. You've already, you've been in the house of God. You've actually had to lead in God's house. And God, God, for some reason, and I know you experience this, all of you, you were pulled out of the house of God or you had to leave the house of God for a season. And not that you would purposefully leave God's house, God's house almost had to thrust you out. And it's just sort of scratch your heads like, this don't make sense. I know many of your stories. And how God was moving in your life and ministry, and it was amazing. You had fruit. You've had fruit. You've, you've experienced the fruit of God. You've seen the hand of God work. And then God says, I want something more out of you. And he said, why? You closed my church up. You closed the it seemed frustrating. People start talking about you. So, why did they treat me that way? And uh, what happened? It seemed like everything started to break down. Uh, or I've, I've heard Henry say, sort of like, I was placed on a shelf. And I tell you, if you went off for God, being placed on a shelf is not a good experience. So if, wait a minute. I went all in for you, Right? I, I mean, we were doing the downtown thing, we, whatever. We were, uh, we were canvassing the city. We were giving food to the poor. I mean, were you not? Have you not, have you not been in the house of God? You, the sons of God and the daughters of God, even within this room. So this message is for you. And, and, and so it wasn't... I remember when you said to me, return. I mean, I've sat down with you, Steve, 
many times, and I've heard, you know, I, the Lord told me call him Enoch. <laughs> I, I, I've sat down with you. I remember in 2011. I remember 2010, 2011, the big shakedown on the ministry, right, 2012, with you too. McManus, the McManus is 14 years out because out, something's not right. Dad and mom, denominational boot, <laughs> the right, the left foot of fellowship. Henry and Wendy shelved. The Ames family, Lifehouse Ministries, what happened? Well, I was overseas in Africa, dealing with Philip Coney's family, fire come back home. What happened? Whole thing just comes apart. Pete Lineker, Aaron. I mean, I, the Harrises, Daddy's church, church evangelism, church, been in the church whole life. Stephen Jr., myself, all the families here. I want something more. And God saw us. The Lord saw us. He saw all of us. He saw that we wanted Him. He knew our frame and our substance and our heart. He knows us. He knows that in the middle of all that mercy we were extending and all that love that we were giving. And I grew up in the church. I've been since knee-high to a grasshopper. One week old, dedicated. Stephen, same way. Miter slammed to his forehead right when he was born, right there with his mama. Hebrew letters. He saw all of us. And something in our heart said... I want you. And something about us, God said, I want them. And uh, you felt the forlornness. You felt the cast outness. You experienced that I don't know what's going on. You felt the cut down. You felt like they didn't understand because something was inside. This longing in the human heart. And many of us were sent back to the place we didn't want to go. Maybe it's like, I don't want to go back there. Oh, return to the country of your father. I feel like if I had to, I'd have to face this over. And I don't want to deal with this. I left home at 18 years of age watching my parents grieve through the loss of their church in Matthews, North Carolina, saying, I will have no part of this. I will be a separate man. I'll fly jet aircraft. I'll do something. I can't take my dad's grief. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take watching my mom cry. I couldn't take it. I had to separate myself from it. And then the Lord said, come back to the land of your daddy. No, no, I'm not facing that pain. 
You know, those preachers, man, they're just oddballs out, man. I'm better than that. <laughs> I'll be a jet pilot. I, I'll be a jet guy. There's something in the preciousness of all this. I can't even, I don't even know that I have words to explain, but he says, he says, I won't. Do you'll never be satisfied. I was falling out of the air at 10,000 feet in a flat spin in a T-34 Charlie. It was like I'd found what I was made for. Put an aircraft in out-of-control flight intentionally and see if you can recover before you crash it into the ground. I found, my, I found me. I needed an experience. You're no different with your uh, sports cars and everything. Yeah, race was in the blood. Pushing to the edge and jumping. It's in our blood. Uh, Tom calls it rogue. He said, forget rogue one, this is rogue two. <laughs> it was in, it's in our blood to risk off. To run out to the edge and jump. It was God who made us this way. He didn't make us to hit the edge. He made us to hit the edge and jump. And I'm in the room. And, and it's not even right for me to be a junior, but I get to be in the room of those who say, I want him more. I want God more than I want the house of God. Hey, we... Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, got the program, got the position, got the orientation program, got the whole thing, done it, right? I church planted nine attempts on MZ Hot, nine. Got all the t-shirts I want on church planting. <laughs> the Lord knows how to break us for him, that we would just want him for himself alone. I don't want to hear the self-referential stuff about what well, they shouldn't and they, I shouldn't and they should and I should and I should and they should. I'm like done with it. I like what this I Am Network says, this leader of the I Am Network, Steve Sr., glorify thou me so that I might glorify you. That thing resonated. I resisted. I thought, you can't say that. The Lord's like, if you don't say that, this movement is not going forward. Jacob says in verse 10, he's paving a picture back of his narrative story. He's saying, I remember when I had a third heaven experience. That was a long time ago. Folks, we've made third heaven experiences, everything. We've even made the experience more important than the person of the experience. I, I say this, yes, as an indictment. Okay, yeah. Because our experience can't be more than him. Jacob's in reference to an experience of being in the house of God. Now he's referencing the God of the house of God. Why is he able to reference the God of the house of God, El Bethel? This is why this message will preach. This is why we're in the shape we're in in this room. 
But the Lord would rather have one in 10 million than 10 million. But he would because he'll, ch he'll change the world with one. All he needs is one. Caiaphas said it about the all we need is one. But what happens when he gets a team like this? Oh, it's this is highly unusual. This is beautiful. Jacob says, in reference to El Bethel, listen to what he says. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you've shown to your servant. I am not worthy. That is some humility, folks. That is a beautiful, humble heart that says uh, he's not demanding anything from God. He's not saying you owe me something. He's, he's, he's crossed into something called godliness with contentment. He's crossed into what Paul's crossed into. He's, he's crossed into whether I abase or I'm abound. He's crossed into some new territory. God doesn't owe him anything. He, of all, is not worthy of the steadfast love and the faithfulness that God has bestowed upon him as his father. For with only my staff, I have crossed this Jordan. And now I have become two camps. And this is even within the phases of the class or not phases. But in phase eight, it's called staff deflection. Phase nine is called max factor infinity. I remember uh, years ago when I was receiving this from the Lord, he's like, the staff, the staff of even Moses is not going to take, is not going to be able to rescue this people. Remember 2 Kings chapter 4. Remember this? When the prophet, he comes and lays the staff on the boy. Remember that? Yeah. And remember that the boy, what? It does not move the boy. The boy is still not raised from the dead, even at the level of the staff. And I believe that this was a, a prophetic picture for us. And I'm going to lay this out this morning. Listen to leadership of the next exodus. Listen to the word of the Lord because the second exodus is upon us. This was the fruit that was born out of last week's event that we had. Even as amazing as the staff of Moses' leadership is, as amazing as the man that he is, he was leading a people and they would come to Sinai. He was leading a people by a staff that would literally turn the Nile into blood. It would cause a locust to come out. Of, it would cause the frogs. As, as amazing as he would utilize that staff to cross a Red Sea, God in me, the writer from the Lord in Hebrews chapter 10 would say to us that as faithful as he was, the understanding of this is so far beyond what I can even voice that as great as the leadership modeling and style of Moses, he was still a servant in the house. And you're going to see this in this text today, that even that staff is deflected. That that staff will not take us into the future, into the next exodus that's upon us. The exodus into the realm of eternity. That God had set up a covenantal man to lead a nation 
to covenant, but now he will lead an exodus to everlasting covenant. This is it. The everlasting covenant is upon us, and you'll see even in the text today that even though there was a crossing of the Jordan, even though the staff could lead them to cross the Jordan, there was a splitting of the family even within the camps. This is our issue today. He says uh, in verse 11, Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. I prophesy to you even, and God knows that even what I say to you today has so much depth to it that I, to expound this message would take all entirely my entire day and yours to just bring some level of exposition to this message. But I'll say it to you the way the Lord said it to me. In our previous election in 2016, before the election, I was in the fire department praying. I said, Lord, what do you say? And he said, that man is a quintessential Edomite. I've never said this publicly. And I said, you say that about him. And he said, and pray for her. Pray for her that I will save her soul. I was like, you have the most interesting way of doing things. You pray for her soul. And he takes me back, and I, I saw Dinesh D'Souza's work on 2016. And I don't know if you saw that work, but I, I saw that, and I saw the work on. And it, it broke my heart for her. Actually, I had, you know, for Miss Clinton, I had a brokenness come over me for her soul. I saw how the Methodist, the Methodist, this ideology had infiltrated her heart at an early age. I saw how the religion of man, how it got into there and convinced her of a different ideology that was communistic related. I saw, and he said, she's perjured your capital, both the OL and the AL. She's lied against your whole entire nation and to bring your nation to its knees. I, he said, pray for her that I'll, I'll save her. I went back and I went through all the layers that were fabricated in her life, and I saw a soul. And I said, Lord, save her. Please. I mean, on one side, he's calling one guy quintessential Edomite and saying, pray for her to save her. I said, you, I was like, if your tech, the way you do things is so different. Anyways, the nation's divided, and I, I remember like it was yesterday. I remember the, the next day, I think it was, I was at the gym. I, was, I had my mind in the weights. I was trying to exercise. And my phone changes over, and it's Mike Bickle preaching on King David and how he had intercession for his nation. And the Lord says, stop what you're doing. I said, and look at the TV. And I look up at the TV, and uh, Miss Clinton comes out of that vehicle and stumbles in front of the whole nation. Remember that? And because our nation is into athleticism and human thing to our fitness and everything it turned the view of the nation because we have to have someone that's fit and the Lord said this will be that's the end of that and I said man your wisdom is unreal 
And of course the nation and especially even the conservative right goes after the trumpets. And the Lord the whole time telling me you've got a quintessential Edomite. And I said, well, well the reason why we like him, I guess, is because he's our brother. Because Edomite came from who? Esau. And he said he's quintessential to the core. He's an Edomite. He is just like Esau, exactly the way he is. And I want you to see in the text today. Now, I'm not here to, like, down anybody. That's not the point. It was, the point is the text. Because out in the middle of this, you're going to see that God would raise up a remnant family. I want you to see this. And he's not going to deliver this nation by the staff of Moses or even the staff of Jacob because it is split. The whole nation was divided here. Jacob's going to go into what's called Mahanim. It means the dance of two camps. And, and has that not been the case? Follow me because, you know, I'm in a text with a political ideology and then the church raising up for a royal family. So, I mean, you got to track with me on this because right here in the text, and he says, deliver me from the hand of my brother. <laughs> deliver me from his hand. Not embracing, but deliver me. I don't want Esau's nature in me. Folks, the Israel of God, what you're going to see happen here is they have to be, we have to be delivered. And we have to want the deliverance of God to deliver us from Esau's nature. This is what's been happening to the Israel of God. We've been like groaning and moaning and, you know, because Esau, he's a good CEO. Oh, he can build, he can build a system. That dude's master hunter. That dude's a dude's dude. He's a man's man. He's saying, hey, deliver me from the city building. Deliver me from the, deliver me from the CEO mindset within the church. Don't just deliver me from that. So polis building within a city, a city, but deliver me from the mega polis. I don't know that any of us ever got to the megapolis level in here or the mega church, but we might have thought it. <laughs> I was sharing with the prayer team on uh, this week. When I was at seminary, they said, just your personality alone could lead a five to 10,000 person congregation. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be good, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to take the city. <laughs> 10,000. Yeah. That's, uh, you're lacking in one thing, uh, Carol. You don't have any compassion, though. But we could just fix that. <laughs> I want to trade it for the world, man, right now. No, no, no. You know, Paul said it. He said, the world has nothing that I want anymore. And the world wants nothing in me. They don't want anything to do with me. They don't want anything to do with you either. He said, I don't want to be in the world. I'm in the world, but I, the world has nothing in me, and I have nothing in them. And God's wanting to get the Esau out of us. And I like this. He says, he says deliver me. Deliver me from that. 
You can listen to last week's sermon, but I would say, deliver me so that the man with the red hand, the man with the red around his right wrist could be put behind his back. I remember up here a few months ago, back before last year or something, the Lord's like, make straight the feeble knee. And I said, which one? He said, the right one. He said, the church has got into conservatism and they're missing me. I'm purple. I'm not blue or red. I was like, oh, man. We were up here like singing a song of the word, and he's like, get that thing straightened out so you guys can run. <laughs> run up into the heavens. You're the royal family. Stop. Say, deliver me from Esau. Deliver me from that methodology. Deliver me from the hand of my brother because I fear him that he may come and attack me and the mothers of my children. But you said, I will surely do you good, speaking back to the Lord, and make your offspring as the stand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. What would God give to the Israel of God? Oh, get ready. Oh, get ready. I know you are. God's been preparing us. He told me Sunday. I went home. I said, what's going on? Second Exodus is what's going on, son. Second Exodus into everlasting covenant. Oh, I was like, oh, man, you elected us out for this. He said, right. He said, when Moses was at the burning bush, he said, what? I said, who am I? He says, where are you guys at? I was like, why am I? <laughs> he said, because it's a difficult question. It's not easy to have your whole existence put on the line. He said, but I would have it be so. I would have your whole sense of existence be put on the line so that you would know I am the very rock and foundation of your life. Oh, I would, I would have not a bunch of people show up. I would just elect out a, a, a leadership team. Well, I would put together something. I would bring together a corporate team. I would attrite everybody that can't take this. I would uh, let them run out the door. They can't stand under the exposure of the spirit of why am I? I'm looking for something the Lord's like. I'm looking that you see me as Adonai. Stephen sings that last week. I literally, it's like a lightning bolt hit me in the head, about knocked me right off. You know, it's like, oh man. He's like, welcome to some really good foundation. Me. You guys have had your foundation in so many different things. Lord, deliver me from Esau. Deliver me from what I can do. Deliver me from what I can bring to the table. Deliver me. Deliver me that what I can do really is just sit and do nothing except what I see my father doing. Bring me into that kind of deliverance. The Lord tells me, he said, you know, Moses was a deliverer. He said, but I would have a man-child. Because <laughs> I was like, what is it, like Deliverer 2.0? I was asking him this. He said, no, man-child. He said, you know, that's what you're at, the institute. Just reverse it from Young Men's Institute to the Institute of Man Young. <laughs> the Institute of the Man-child. I would have a man-child company. I don't want a deliverer. I heard uh, people say that 
Something like this. A preacher can be raised up in a day, but a deliverer takes a lifetime. But I would say unto you, a man-child must have to come into some eternal time. Because a lifetime is not going to do. The time is too short. Your life and my life cannot produce a man-child. The only way that God could produce a man-child company is that we would go out of the XYZT into another place, the place of eternity, the place where he dwells. That's what's happening in this text. God, deliver me. Get this guy off of me, man. And so he does something interesting. He says, I stayed there that night. Any of you been through the darkness? Moses says, I'm going into the darkness where God dwells. He stayed there that night. He stayed put in the darkness. Nobody likes this. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the darkness is no place to, to be until you find out that even the darkness is light with God. I remember back at the fire department, the words like initiates, initiates. I remember he came to me. It was in a cave, and he comes, and he's got this light, and he says, come in. And it was this dark cave, and I, I remember standing there, and it's the hardest thing. He's like, come in here, and he smiles at me real big, and I was like, that don't look, that looks scary. Come into the mountain of God, which is all dark. And for years, I've been there. Mining through the place, finding God to be God and real in the place of darkness. He says, I stayed there that night, and so have you. You've had to do this. God has a way that he initiates his leadership. No, not his polis leadership or his megapolis leadership, but his metapolis leadership. You, the sons and daughters of God, are of another sort. You might as well know it if you don't already know it. That the polis and the megapolis would have never actually been suitable for you. You were called to something else. And the only way I know how to put it was when the Lord told me in 2013, at the end of 2013, and Brad, he comes in and talks to me. He said something to the effect that this lion will not be caged. I remember it was like yesterday. I was reading G.K. Bill. I love me some G.K. Bill. I had that big commentary open on his scholarship, and I was reading it. Brad comes in, and he says, this lion will not be caged. The Lord, right before that, tells me, he says, I'll kill Adonijah. He said, I'll have no one master over my bride. He said, uh, well, you guys, all the leadership of the, now I know, the polis and the megapolis might think themselves to be king. I don't have a problem with it. Don't you mess with my girl, though. Don't you mess with my bride. He, Adonijah means my master, I am. I'm the master of my own destiny, the fate. And I remember he takes me through Hewitt's poem, and it basically goes to Invictus, and Invictus comes out. And the Lord takes me back to Clint Eastwood's film, Invictus with Mandela, and he says, I'm going to kill him. He said, to show you that I am not playing games. I said, Lord, you kill Mandela. He's like, I'm not playing games. I'm telling you, I am raising up a global move. A global move in my spirit. I'm going to bring this thing forward. And I said, what? I mean, three days later, Mandela's dead. I mean, I'm shook up. I go back to the Lord and I said, what? What do you want us to do? I don't understand. 
What kind of leadership modeling is this? He said, it's going to get worse. You're going to lose another leadership team. It's going to get really hard. Then I was like, oh, man, it's already been hard enough. You know, I don't want to go through another hard thing. He said, pioneer for a glorified body. He said, that is, that's the direction. I'm going to come and dwell with man and rest in man. I'm going to glorify man. This thing is over. And I mean, I remember I was like, his internal audible voice of God. God says, I will surely do you good. What is Stephen singing? Surely good, right. I didn't know this. I say this right now. I didn't even, I didn't know I was going to be reading this. I will surely do you good. I've given you a promise. He's saying this to us. He's saying this to us real time right now. I am going to raise up an offspring. It's like, Lord, couldn't you just feel this place, right? This wasn't his purpose here at YMI. He told me that someday. He said, I never purposed to actually like that. He said, I was going to raise up a future team. It was my purpose. I had to test everybody and run everybody through all this. And uh, so I get to say it today. I, he said, because I'm going to give you an offspring of the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered in multitude. Yeah, we've been going through the Esau extraction. <laughs> I wanted you to take that red hand. My wonderful Irish friend there. I wanted you to take that red hand, put it behind your. I wanted you to take that red thing around your hands there. I want you to put it behind your back. Jesus, got, I got to come first. Nobody likes to do that. And nobody likes, especially us men, some, you get faced with pressure and problems and stuff. Put your hands behind your back. Nobody likes that feeling, but for God to be God in you, this is the nature of it. And I'm putting it behind my back. I'm going to stay through the night. I'm not leaving. There's a perseverance inside of me. I don't care what the Lord has to put me through and the paces he has to take me through. I'm not leaving. I'll let the night do what the night does, but I'm not moving out of my position. And I'll do this too, he said, uh, and he goes for this, I'm going to take 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milking camels, 30 calves, uh, their calves, their 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. He hands them over to his servants, every drove by itself, and he said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between the drove and the drove. He said, I got to put up something out in front of me to bring some level of protection. Now, when we look back at Numbers chapter 10, we're going to find out that the Lord said, so what? Sacrifice and double offerings, they don't bring any desire or delight me. It's a body that I've been looking for. But Jacob, just like us and just like I've done, I'm like, Carol, we got to take all our money everything we can and we got to put it out we got to put it out in front of us that's how we'll deal with this I didn't even know till today until the word shows me this today is like what have you guys been doing I was like yeah you're trying to build the biggest buffer you can 
Really, what you don't know what you're doing is you're trying to build a security against me. I was like, oh, stop. You know, because if I could just get all my things right and my finances right and I could set up everything, you know, we'll be okay. Gives a whole new meaning to sowing and reaping. <laughs> I'm just trying to build a space so that he gets closer and closer and the thing gets tighter and tighter. And you're like, well, at least, at least there'll be a bit, little bit of a space between you and me. He's afraid, and he says, you got to remember, folks, this guy's already, Jacob's already been to Bethel. He's been to El Bethel. This is a whole new experience. He said, what do we say? He said, well, they, they're a present sent to you. And moreover, he's behind us. And likewise, he instructed the second and a third drove. <laughs> And you shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, Moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us, for he thought, At least I can appease him. Listen, listen to what this means in the Hebrew 32:20, that I may appease his face. Remember, I told you in phase eight, it's called staff deflection, but in phase nine, it's called max factor infinity. You know, we read, I believe it's in Exodus, that you can't see the face of God in what? That means somebody's going to die. I mean, if God's face is getting closer to us, like the eyes of heaven this morning in worship, you can't deal with that and live. Somebody's got to die. That's why I said to the Lord, I was like, if you do this, you'll swing everybody out of this room. I realize if he begins to expose his face to us, the exposure, the introspection, the, the light of that exposure will come on us and he'll feel like death. It won't be. It'll be this light of life. It's anything but death. It's death to the flesh. Oh, the, the radiation of God's very own spirit his very own life coming onto you and me. That you would sit in the middle of the exposure. <clears throat> Bring more light. I'll put up the finance. I'll do whatever it says. Why though? To appease his face. Well, with the present that goes ahead of me and afterward, I shall see his face. And listen to this, what he says. Perhaps he will accept me. Hebrew says there, he will lift up my face. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself, what? Stayed the night in the camp. The same night he arose, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and he crossed the fort of Jabbok, which is a play on words, Jacob, Jabbok. He took them, and he sent them across the stream, and everything else that he had... can't hedge with the Lord. I mean, I'm the hedge master sometimes. I think I'm the hedge fund manager that there ever was. You, can't, you know, I'm like, okay, we got this one little thing left. I'll try to work that, and we'll see what we can get out of it. That one thing, we could just hold on to that, and 
And the Lord's like, no. I'll have no hedge fund manager. You feel the pressure of the Lord coming towards you? And you're trying to find some level of security all around you? Oh, God, if you could just make this thing secure, I won't give you that. And the Lord, he's kind enough sometimes to give us what Brad calls point of reference. Thank God for those that think you'd go insane without them. At least I would. Some people have more faith than other people. But he took them and he sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now this word in another translation says until the dawn. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched him in the hip socket. He put his hip out of joint. And he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go because the dawn has risen. Something like that in the Hebrew. And Jacob says, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. And he says, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, the hedge fund manager. <laughs> You'll no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men, and you have prevailed. I take this as a plus-plus narrative. I mean, could you believe this even about what's been going on in your life? I mean, it takes everything I can to even believe this message. I, I don't say something that's easy for me to preach. But could you take the message of, it is finished? Can you take the message of the plus-plus narrative, God, glorify me so that I may glorify you? Father, glorify me. You've prevailed. Listen, I'm not calling you by that identity anymore. I won't even come into agreement with it. I'm, I'm telling you who you are. I'm saying you're the Israel of God. The prevailing winds and everything that has come against us and tried us and everything. You've prevailed over it. But see, you gotta, you got to hear this, you know. The one who is the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Jacob says, please let me, uh, tell me your name. And why you ask me my name? And as soon as he does, he blesses him. What is your name, Lord? I woke up with this yesterday at 4 o'clock. I was like, what is your name? I was writing out all these Hebrew and things. I'm going through this whole Hebrew training process with the Lord. It's a really odd way to teach someone Hebrew, but I'm learning. There's so many aspects to his name. It's like, how could he say? If you know me in this aspect, then you know me in another one. I, yesterday, I was writing it out. Uh, Shem. I want to set my name with you. I was writing out all these diagrams yesterday, and I'm like, okay. I, I literally wrote this out. I was like, there's Leah, there's Rachel. Okay, there's Ruth 4.11. To Ruth, may the woman who's entering your house be as Leah and as Rachel who built the household of Israel. I'm like, Leah, Rachel, 
In the middle of it, I have I am. I'm like, Lord, how do you break all this out? It, it seems like there's, I, I can't get my head around it. It's like two camps. I, I drew all my diagrams and everything. I was like, I can't understand. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to take care of this, take care of that. I mean, how do you do this, Lord? I am. I was like, I don't understand. You know, I don't, I don't really get, I don't know how you do that. It's a long story, but right in the middle of all that, a friend of mine from, since 1997, he writes me. His name's David O'Connell. If you want to, after the service, I'll show you our picture together in front of an F-15 Strike Eagle. He's a dear friend to me. Another good Irishman. I love him so much. He writes me yesterday, how do I place all my trust in him? It messed me up yesterday. He said, I know you wanted this years ago, Carol, and I've been running from him. I'm not running anymore. I don't know where David's been uh, he's, and what's going on with him. And the Lord's like, do you see what I'm saying? I'm like giving him all the scriptures and everything. Man, those scriptures speak. Matthew chapter 5, don't worry. I got this thing. He's like, you know, I struggle because he's in separation with his wife right now. He's like, I struggle. He said, I'll be real with you. I want to put all my eyes on Jesus now. I'm serious. He says, but I don't know if he'll give me her back. And I wrote, I wrote him, I said, you know what you have to do, Dave, whether you get her back or not, you got to go all in with him. I said, it's the only safe place to be. And I'm writing him, he's like, I wish we could have been closer through the years. I love you, Carolyn. I mean, it was wrecking me, man. He said he's crying in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm sitting there, and I get down on my knees, and the tears just pouring out of my eyes. Because David O'Connell, he said, my daddy wasn't there for me. It hurt me like the way I needed him. David O'Connell, man, is like, I'm going to put my whole trust in him. Since 1997, I mean, he's Rage Against the Machine, O'Connell, if y'all know that band. I didn't know it because I grew up with Rage Against the Machine, but O'Connell grew up with it. O'Connell is, we got to go to Dublin, Ireland and join the IRA. <laughs> well, I'm anti-monarchy. O'Connell is anti-monarchy. <laughs> O'Connell's throwing tools across the flight line because everything will make him so mad because the engineers didn't build the aircraft so he could get his... So he could get his head fit between two components. I just thought he was just laughable. His anger was so laughable. O'Connell yesterday took that red hand and put it behind his back. He said, I'll have him. 
nervous about it. I said, I got to look up his last name. You know what O'Connell means? The major meaning of it is valor. I, I remember this, I can't go into all this, but I was like, Lord, how do you deal with the garment of violence that was cloaked onto Adam and Eve after the fall? How do you deal with it? How do you deal with it when it shows up generationally inside of families and they will to grab and get back and because they've been hurt? How do you deal with that? He said that you would wear the cloak of valor. some kind of unusual people to go say number one valor is different than just courage because a lot of courage when it comes to a hero is still related to the, to them winning something or gaining something but valor is different than courage because the better part of valor is what y'all know this discretion valor doesn't need to be seen Valor acts without being seen. Valor isn't like trying to get everybody to notice the big heroic thing I just did. The Lord told me that the only safety for this end time work, because he said that you're about to face some of the most criticism you've ever faced in your life. Listen, guys, I'm not kidding about this. What we're about to embark upon will be criticized to the, to the core by the polis and the megapolis, both on a religious system, an economic system, and a political system. It will be criticized. It will also be praised and lauded and flattered in an inappropriate way. And valor is the only safeguard against flattery and criticism. That's why we've been through what we've been through. That's why Jacob's went through what he's went through. Why? Because God wanted to put a fortitude of valor in the human heart. That when the criticism comes, you don't go to guilt. And when the flattery comes, you don't go to shame. Yeah, it was because of me. Shame. Look what you did. The decisions that were just made cost that many people's lives. Don't you understand what you're doing? Toppling governments, toppling world systems. Don't you understand? You're not. This isn't helping the church. This is, this is upsetting the whole entire foundation of the church. This is, this is bringing the foundations into question. You can't bring a foundational question against this nation or against the church, the polis, the megapolis. You can't do that. And the Lord said, he would say to us, look at me. Because valor and discretion must be your safeguard. Put valor around your neck. Don't raise your red hand. Don't you fight back. I mean, he told me this about Jonathan Edwards. Don't fight back even in the papers. Don't fight back on the TV. Edwards did this and the Lord showed me it dialed down the whole awakening because somebody was talking bad about him and he had to answer it in the paper. And when he did, he got his eyes off of who? Edwards, the most brilliant theologian maybe the American soul has ever produced. 
And even that man's brilliance wouldn't take that awakening forward. Brilliance will not take us forward. Our emotions aren't going to lead us forward. I do nothing except what I see my father doing. Because no one can lead this movement. Only the Lord could. Only the Lord. No one can navigate all of that. No one can navigate a second exodus. No human being is capable of doing that. No, no human being. Let's all stand together. I hope that you know why you've been through what you've been through. I hope that it gives you a reference point for your life. I hope that this encourages you to know that God would have never been satisfied with Beth, just Bethel for you. He would never have been satisfied even with El Bethel for you. He would never be satisfied with just raising up. Listen, under the sound of my voice within this room is leadership of a capacity that could literally lead like Moses did. But the Lord would never be satisfied with that with you. He had to have another place planted inside of us called Peniel. Many of you, some of you in here have literally had to face death numerous times. Do you know why? Because the face of God is shining on you. That's why you face death repeatedly. Because God wanted to give you his face. This is not a reformation. This is a restoration of all things. The reformation has already happened. This is the restoration. This is the completion. This is the ultimate. This is unto, yea unto, a glorified body, yea unto. God fully indwelling himself in man. This is about God building a dwelling place so that he can rest. I, I wrote it down this week and I... Out of what is left of, of us here, he said, uh, he said, run the count. And it was 13 of us, uh, the men, and our wives and our children, our families. And I'm not saying to anybody that you should be about this. And I don't know, Kara's like, it's not really defined that well. And I can't say the Lord said a cohort's going to come together and that we're going to advance this message. And he's going to do this himself and he's going to launch this message on a greater scale. It's going to go out. And I, he wants me to declare it. it. It makes me a little bit nervous. But I'm just like, don't hedge on me. I don't know how to do it. 
But I do know that this is upon us, and he is going to expand this message. He's been extracting Esau out so he could form us into a team. I imagine that some of us will be mobilized on the road. I don't know. I don't know. Pete Lineker said this morning that maybe we'll be translated together into different locations. I, I don't know. I, I can't say. I just know last week I sat down with the four servant songs because I asked the Lord for a job description because I didn't know what kind of job this is. I was like, I don't understand this. You know, people have things to compare jobs to. He's like, go to the four servant songs in Isaiah and you'll understand. And in every servant song, there is a captive Israel who has been in exile who is going to be delivered. There's going to be in Revelation 5, Jesus taking the scroll. John was said in John in Revelation 4, he says, come up here so that I may show you the things which must be hereafter. We've been in a Revelation 4 moment. A Revelation 5 is coming. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is going to take the scroll. And we, and I'm sure our brothers and sisters throughout this land, are going to unite as one family. And the Lord is going to reap, I believe, a harvest. Because there's been so many that have been into the polis and the megapolis. And so many are probably going to reject this message. But we must go forward with it. And the Lord told me, he said, I'll take care of all of it. He said, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll open the doors and everything and you'll know it's from me. And we will move this thing together. God will have... What his son, the father will have what his son purchased on that tree. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And the gospel of this kingdom, not a gospel of, of salvation, of entry, but the gospel of this kingdom of exit will be preached in all the earth, and then the end will come. This is like one of the, you know, I said, Lord, this seems so auspicious and so audacious to say, but he's like, this brings the greatest glory to me. I thought, really? He's like, yes, that I didn't even just pur purchase your redemption just, just in a partial way. I purchased the full redemption. I purchased the full revelation of myself to you and to everyone that are of mine. I didn't just want a partial entry. I wanted a grand exit. Amen. Amen. Let's take communion together. There's a part down in my that I don't want you to see. 
down in my soul This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. to you and make his face shine on you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.